from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcasts. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig with details. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. What are you, an Irish washerwoman today? (laughs) No, actually, it's, uh, oh, my goodness, is a sound effect that I have in the library somewhere. Oh, If I need an elderly woman to sound shocked, (laughs) then you hear, oh, my goodness. There it is. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) Isn't it great? I don't get to use it that often, but I try to every chance I get. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this is exciting. If you are seeing this, that means you're catching us on video for the first time. <laughs> I don't remember where to look. I was like, wait. <laughs> See, Diana doesn't even, has forgotten what a camera even looks like. It's been so long since we've been on camera. Welcome to the Ridiculous <laughs> Romance on Video. Uh, we're hoping to be putting out some nice clips of this show this year, maybe even full episodes. We'll see what happens. No Great. promises. No promises. We are just experimenting. Yeah. We have a crazy story today that I'm very excited about because it was just full of, I mean, just full. It was just full. It was uh, full of everything. 100%. And, and what better episode to start our <laughs> video with? I think our faces will tell a tale yeah. of their own yeah. <laughs> as we go through this. Uh, because today we're talking about Ferdinand VII, who was the king of Spain in 1813. And he had a big old weird dick, and everyone knew it. Uh, I mean, normally this wouldn't really matter about somebody. Sure. It would just be like a just-for-fun footnote yeah. in his life story. Dicks come in all shapes and sizes. Exactly, sure. Yeah. You know, some some people have small ones, some yep. people have big ones, yep. and girthy, and so on and so forth. And does it really matter? No. But in Ferdinand's case, his dick caused a succession problem. And eventually... That would change the course of Spanish history when Ferdinand, lacking a male heir, had to allow his daughter to inherit the throne. So kind of an important dick in history, (laughs) surprisingly. (laughs) So let's hear about Ferdinand VII's weird dick and the four Marias who had to deal with it. All right, let's go. Hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. Okay, I want to start with, like, just a real quick rundown on 
Ferdinand the Seventh. Sure. Yeah. Um, so we can just enjoy the wife stories and not have to get into all the politics the whole way through. Okay. He was heir to the throne of Spain in the early 19th century. He forced his father to abdicate to him Rude. and reigned for a few months in 1808, but then was himself forced to abdicate by Napoleon Bonaparte. Oh, that guy. That old hound dog. Uh, he imprisoned Ferdinand and his family in France and put his older brother, Joseph Bonaparte, on the throne. Okay, so that's like three kings in a month. Exactly. The Spanish people were just like, who? okay, who's on the money now? Or like, what's going on? I just finished signing my checks King Ferdinand, <laughs> and now I got to switch it to Napoleon. So, but by 1813, Napoleon had suffered quite a lot of setbacks, and he decided to recognize Ferdinand as the king of Spain. Okay. But Ferdinand realized Spain was a little different. Then when he had left, Joseph Bonaparte had instituted a liberal constitution oh, okay. and changed the whole situation into kind of a constitutional monarchy instead mm -hmm. of a traditional absolute monarchy. OK. And so Ferdinand kind of had to promise the Spanish liberals that he would uphold that constitution as king before they would take him back. So he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure thing, guys. Absolutely. Whatever right. you say. Yeah. Whole new constitution. Love it. Can't wait to be king under all these new rules you set while I was gone. Exactly. Gives 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 me less power. Sure. <laughs> Delightful. Yes. I'm totally into it. What whomst amongst us would not take this deal? <laughs> so his people called him Ferdinand the Desired. And he came back to Spain with great fanfare and popularity and everyone's into him. But once he was reestablished, he said, forget about all that. And completely restored absolute monarchy. Oh. Never gave the Spanish people a parliament. They discovered also that he had, according to ABC España, quote, a tacky and vengeful character. Oh, no. And so after that, they started calling him the Felon King. Oh, wow. You went from Ferdinand the Desired to the Felon King? Like, kind of fast. <laughs> yeah. Well, he spent his reign doing some pretty terrible things, including bringing back something I never expected the Spanish Inquisition. I knew it. Um, <laughs> I know. Well, a... you have to. You have to. Uh, he would also squash liberal revolts. He clamped down on the free press. He jailed a lot of writers and publishers. He even arrested liberal ministers himself, which made the Austrian diplomat Friedrich von Gentz write that he, quote, had sowed the base himself, that he has become no more <laughs> than the leading police agent and the prison warden of his own country. <laughs> In 1820, another liberal insurrection forced him to restore the liberal constitution that he had spurned so mm -hmm. quickly when he became king. But ironically, Ferdinand turned to France for help, and King Louis XVIII sent troops to suppress this revolution, which obviously, of course, France had just locked him up. So, <laughs> I mean, like... strange bedfellows. <laughs> Gilles Sigro Peruser writes in an article on lepublications.com, that Ferdinand even ordered that only French troops could be his bodyguards because he suspected all the Spanish soldiers of having liberal sympathies. Gilles writes, quote, As a paradox, some were former grunts of Napoleon and had fought him 10 years before. Thus, thanks to the help of the French, whom he had hated so much, his power was firmly established. The last part of his reign is known as the ominous decade when he really brought back absolutism. Spain, during his reign, lost pretty much all of its territories in South America. Of course, Mexico, we have talked before uh -huh. in our Max and Carlotta episode. They won their independence in 1821. So sorry, Spain, you lost out. Many historians consider him to be short-sighted and despotic. And some articles simply call him the worst king of Spain ever. Oh. <laughs> um, but even though he lived through this period of like really intense political turmoil, there's multiple wars going on from the Peninsular War to the, the wars in America of 1812. Bonapartes and bourbons running all around and conspiring and conspiring. Chaos. All kinds of stuff happening. It's still his romantic life that really kind of defines Ferdinand. Uh, he was married four times. All his wives were named Maria, oh, and all of them kind of hated him and his weird dick. <laughs> oh, my God. Who's, what episode was it before where everyone in Spain had the same name? Yes, it was um, the royal mistress mayhem. Oh, my God. Peter of Castile right. and Peter in Portugal. Right. They were both Peter the First. Yes. And then, like, both their wives were Isabel or something. It was like, 
Oh well, my God. Forget them. Focus on exactly. Ferdinand and his four Marias four for Marias. this one. And there's more Marias than just them. <laughs> Everyone too. is named Maria. We'll get to it. What's the problem with Maria? Everyone's name is Maria. <laughs> <laughs> How do you solve a problem like everyone being named Maria? Okay. All right. We keep talking about this weird dick. So, what is the deal with this thing? First of all, it was a very big dick, which today it's not necessarily something people would dislike. But at the time, Ancient Greece was still seen as like the pinnacle of humanity, and that meant that big dicks were kind of unappreciated. True intellectual and moral leaders had uh, nice, polite, small, <laughs> manageable penises. Polite. Mm-hmm, that's right. <laughs> Deferential, respectful. I'm not trying to steal the spotlight or get in anyone's way. The brain is important. I'm just down here to do one little job. Just a little perfunctory penis. Right. Okay, but it's not just the size that makes Ferdinand's dick so unusual. In the words of the famous French historian Prosper Merame, it was, quote, as thin as a stick of sealing wax at its base and thick as a fist at its extremity. Also, as long as a billiard cue. So it, like, tapers out. I'm seeing like a like an upside down metronome. <laughs> and also because he says fist, it makes me feel like it's kind of ra- like sure. it's a weird mushroom dick. All right. <laughs> when you the the here's I'm gonna tell you a story. It's the only good thing I ever heard Adam Carolla say. And it was back when on Love Line, they made some gross reference to a food in re- in reference to a sex organ or a discharge or something Mm -hmm. and adam carolla said stop that when you make it a food i have to eat it (laughs) and that's how i feel about what you just said i mean mushrooms are already gross i like i I see no sacrifice okay well who's gonna eat the mushrooms off your plate next time you're gonna be stuck with them (laughs) (laughs) unbelievably rude all right let's get off of this mushroom dick (laughs) i that's what all the wives said Now, apparently, either the king himself or perhaps one of his wives developed a special cushion that was made to allow them to have sex more easily. The website themakingofmadrid.com says it supported the narrow base, quote, leaving only the bulbous tip bobbing around for his (laughs) poor mate to straddle. Evocative. Yeah. (laughs) It's evocative. Uh, The same website also calls him, quote, a guy with a massive dick. Who was a massive dick? (laughs) Uh, This cushion has been described as like thick pads with a perforation in the middle for his dick to come through, like some kind of weird sex donut. Okay. (laughs) People, you know what? People like all kinds of things. People like and people have to do different. People have to do different things in order to comfortably have sex, and that's okay. Very true. And you know what? It's not his fault that he was born with a strange penis. No. It just seems like something that would be painful to have sex with. Possibly. Uh, possibly. Possibly. And uh, certainly disconcerting if that was your only experience with a penis. Right. And Like it, many of these women right, <laughs> we're about right. to discuss. And again, on top of that, he's a, he's a bad person. Yeah, exactly. So like, he's like a easier. super nice well, guy. There has been a lot of conversation lately about, you know, if it's body shaming to call mm-hmm. someone small dicked or say something right. weird about their penis or something like that. And I think to some degree there is, but also you want to cut that person deep, especially these hyper masculine dudes yeah. that are all about their their dick energy. <laughs> well, then that's what I'm going to come for. Right. It's where I can hit you where it hurts. Uh-huh. Okay, so now now that we have a nice, clear, maybe too clear picture of what exactly these four Marias had to deal with, um, let's find out about them. So Maria number one was Ferdinand's first cousin, Maria Antonia of Naples and Sicily. Okay. She was the daughter of King Ferdinand of Italy and his Austrian wife, Maria Carolina. And she married Ferdinand VII in 1802 when he was still just the Prince of Asturias and not yet the King of Spain. Okay, okay. Uh, He's still Prince at this point. They're just trying to get his future worked out. So you get married off to your cousin and he's not even the King yet? I know, right? But they're like, you got one job. Yeah. Okay, and that's to 
Marry your spread cousin. Spread your seed. Marry your cousin. <laughs> spread your seed amongst a very select handful uh, of yes. people that you're yeah. already related to. Keep it in the family, of course, <laughs> was the motto back then. This family tree is really just a shrub, and you will see that <laughs> more and more as we go through. It's like those banyan trees that are really just the same tree, you know, all growing down into the ground. It's just one giant oh, okay. organism. That makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. That makes it sound cooler than a shrub. <laughs> Maybe it shouldn't sound cooler. <laughs> That's why I kind of don't like it, but I get, I get what you're saying. <laughs> All right. Maria Antonia is described in the Duchess of Abrantes memoirs as being a little serious with a majestic air. But when she smiled, quote, her whole face lit up sweetly. But she wasn't excited about her cousinly groom. Mm. Um, National World News in Spain writes that when she first saw him in person, she was upset by how little he resembled the portrait she'd seen of him, saying, quote, in the picture, he looked ugly. Well, compared to the original, it's an Adonis. Oh, no. Ouch. Wow, that's, I mean. Pretty ice cold. Yeah, that's still true today. I mean, you see someone's profile picture. That's and they look a little different in real life. You can't really complain, okay. obviously. Yeah, that's not not just a modern problem. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder that about portraits about royals. Because uh-huh. I'm like, how hard to be the painter where you're like, I'm supposed to make this look like you, but like also maybe your idealized version of who you think you are yeah. and what you think you look like. It's like and... a reverse caricature artist. Yes. Uh, let me shrink your forehead <laughs> down. Well, it wasn't just Prince Ferdinand's looks. He also did not treat Maria with a lot of respect. Also, apparently, it took quite a while to introduce her to his weird metronome dick. (laughs) Maria Antonia's mother, Maria Carolina, was in close contact with her daughter, and she wrote in her diary, quote, My daughter is desperate. Her husband is a complete idiot, not even a physical husband, and moreover, a rowdy who does nothing. And doesn't leave his room. A few days later, she bemoans that he, quote, is a fool who neither hunts nor fishes. He does not move to the room of his unhappy wife. He cares nothing. He is not even her husband in animal form. Wow. She's like, I don't even care if, like, you're not a nice husband, but you won't even have sex with her. Right. And how weird. Like, imagine the correspondence between Maria Antonia and her mother being like, dear mom, today still not fucked. I don't know what it is. So anyway, love your daughter. (laughs) And then a year after the wedding, her mother wrote in a letter, quote, the husband is not yet a husband and does not seem to have the desire or ability, which worries me greatly. Now, this apparently was just a problem that he only had with Maria Antonia because he was well known to enjoy the company of prostitutes. National World News says that the Marquis of Via Urrutia wrote that Ferdinand, quote, did not like to spend time with the ladies of his court, preferring to go out in disguise at night in the company of the Duke of Alagon to engage in some games outside the palace, which Muslims practice within the harem the hell does that mean i don't i was like i mean some of them just like folded clothes and shit (laughs) like the harem is so misunderstood sounds a little racist yeah yeah exactly (laughs) um but that's not all that poor maria antonia had to deal with because her mother maria carolina when she wasn't complaining about ferdinand was complaining about the french maria carolina had named maria antonia for her favorite sister marie antoinette okay and we all know what happened to her right After the French revolted and chopped her head off, Maria Carolina decided she didn't care for the French (laughs) very much. That was my sister. Exactly. She got a little pissed off and rumors started to spread that Maria Carolina was encouraging her daughter to poison the Queen of Spain, who was descended from the French, as well as her prime minister and probably lover, Manuel Godoy. Now... These were just rumors and highly unlikely to be true because these Marias, Carolina and her daughter, Antonia, they were very devout Catholics. So it's unlikely that they would go, you know, murder a regent. Right. um, Because uh, God chose the regents and all Mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah. And it's not like Spain's ties to France were any greater than anyone else's. So what would be the point of killing the Queen of Spain? Yeah. But this queen that they were supposedly trying to poison, Maria Luisa, did not like Maria Antonia, who was her daughter-in-law. So she decided that she would feed these rumors 
she would inspect Maria Antonia's papers and belongings to search for evidence, stuff like that. Just be like, I'm pretty sure we need to keep a close eye on yeah. my daughter-in-law because she and her mother are trying to poison hmm, me. Can't trust her. So this lent credence to the rumors and just kind of made Maria Antonia's life even more uncomfortable, which it must have gotten because eventually Ferdinand did make it to her bed to consummate their marriage. Maria Antonia was pregnant twice, but both ended in miscarriages. In 1806, Maria Antonia succumbed to tuberculosis and she died at the age of 21. Rumors exploded again, of course, that she had actually been poisoned by her mother-in-law, the queen, Maria Luisa, and her prime minister, Manuel Godoy, the very people they had been accused of trying mm -hmm. to poison. That's right. Prime Minister Godoy was not only having an affair with the queen, but he was like best buds with the current heir to the throne, Ferdinand's little brother, Carlos IV. Mm -hmm. Maria Carolina, Maria Antonia's real mother, believed these rumors, but there is no evidence to back them up. And people really did love poisoning rumors back then. So, you know, we can probably dismiss that one, too. She died of tuberculosis. Yeah, exactly. She she had a very bad disease. So right. poison was not required. Right, right, right. But I think one of the main things to take away from that is that there is Carlos IV who's in line for the throne if Ferdinand does not produce an heir. That's right. Right. So That's if right. he doesn't have a son, then his little brother Carlos is going to end up king if Ferdinand, you know, should come to the worst. <laughs> if the worst should happen. <laughs> or the best, depending on your exactly. point of view of Ferdinand. <laughs> yeah, it depends on your opinion of Ferdinand. So Maria Antonia was dead. And this was a problem because Ferdinand, you know, didn't have his own heir to carry on the succession. But eventually he was king of Spain and he's like, I want this absolute monarchy. And so that meant it was really important to get working on a baby again. And that brings us to Maria number two. And we will hear all about her right after this commercial break. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Welcome back to the show, everybody. So Maria number two was Ferdinand's niece, Maria Isabel, Infanta of Portugal. Maria Isabel's mother, Carlotta of Spain, was Ferdinand's sister. She had married King John VI of Portugal, but they had a very unhappy marriage. Carlotta made John's life basically hell on earth mm. because she was constantly conspiring against him, either to advance her own interests or to advance the interests of her native Spain over Portugal, where she now lived wow. and ruled. Uh, she even tried to have John deemed insane and unfit to rule. Wow. 
So just a chaotic household for uh, uh-huh. Maria Isabel to grow up in. <laughs> but Maria Isabel was smart. She was a well-educated woman. She knew several languages. Mm-hmm. And she and King Ferdinand married in 1816 when she was 19 years old and he was 32. Now, he took less time to get to her bedroom than he had with his first wife, Maria. And she got pregnant pretty quickly, giving birth to a baby girl. But she sadly died only four to five months after being born. Maria Isabel got pregnant again in 1818, but this delivery turned really tragic. The baby was in breach, which means that it was being born bottom first rather than head first, which makes the delivery much riskier. At one point, doctors thought that Maria Isabel had died. Uh, She wasn't breathing. But her sister, Maria Francisca, who was married to Ferdinand's brother, Carlos, (laughs) again, this tree is a shrub, uh, she kept insisting that her sister was still alive. But Ferdinand and the doctors didn't believe her, and Ferdinand ordered them to perform a cesarean section to remove the baby. Halfway through the operation, Maria Isabel woke up, screaming from the pain and bleeding profusely. Fernando González Doria, in his book Las Reinas de España, wrote, quote, The mother gave such a cry that she was not dead yet, as the doctors believed, which made it a dreadful butchery. God, this is uh, this was literally like House of the Dragon. Yeah, almost this exact story kicked off that show. Exactly the same. I know. Yeah. I was like, they, they must the Game of Thrones period must have been hot, highly up in Spanish nobility. I'm pretty sure George R. R. Martin traveled forward in time, listened to our show. Oh, okay. And then went back and wrote Game of Thrones and all of its <laughs> ancillary material based on these stories that we're telling. You're welcome, George. <laughs> So, very sadly, Maria Isabel died a few hours later in great pain, and it wasn't even worth it, really, because the baby also had died um, before they even were cutting it out. So, killed her really for no reason. But she had used her time as queen very wisely. Um, She was a huge fan of the fine arts, and she started collecting paintings and sculpture to open a national museum. And this museum would become the Prado Museum in Madrid, which is considered to be one of the finest museums in Europe and basically the only good part of Ferdinand's legacy. Uh (laughs) But fortunately, Maria Isabel's posthumous portrait by Bernardo Lopez Piquer clearly names her as the founder of the museum. So she gets all her due credit, even though it's part of his legacy. Right, right. It's still like, we all know who did that. We know who did that, yeah. So now Ferdinand is 35 years old and he's twice widowed. Still, he has no heirs. And that brings us to Maria number three, Maria Josefa Amalia of Saxony. Mm. Yes, for once, Ferdinand found a bride that was not directly related to him. I know. Hooray. Really, really accomplished something special there, Ferdinand. (laughs) You did it. Now, her father, the crown prince Maximilian of Saxony, knew that Ferdinand was looking for a fertile young bride, and he suggests that his younger daughter could be the answer to his problems. She was 16 years old, and after her mother died when she was only a few months old, she had been sent to a convent to be raised by nuns. So this girl was uh, naive and shy and very sweet, and very, very religious. Ferdinand met her, and he was, quote, enthralled by her. Mm. So they got married in October of 1819. Apparently, he just really fell in love with her because she had such a a kind demeanor. But their wedding night was a disaster. Because, like we said, Maria Josefa was raised in a convent. She had not been told one single useful thing about sex or reproduction. They don't do sex ed at the convent. Not so much. Uh And, I mean, even if they had, who could have prepared her for a sex pillow? You know, like a weird (laughs) sex donut. Right. (laughs) So, you know... At this time, it's pretty common, of course, for your mother or a married sister or a married Mm -hmm. sister-in-law even to kind of have the birds and bees talk with a new bride. She's like, here's how to put a condom on on a banana. (laughs) But for him, let's use an upside down summer squash. (laughs) (laughs) I know here I am making it a food. I know. What did you just (laughs) you just yelled at me? (laughs) Well, anyway, uh, so, yeah. You know, your mom, your sister, whatever. Um, But of course, Maria Josepha didn't have a mother. And her sister-in-law was Maria Francisca, who was probably still pretty pissed off about her sister getting cut up 
and just refused oh. to talk to Maria Josefa. She was the one who said, no, she's still alive. Exactly. Don't cut her open. That's yeah. right. So yeah. she was just kind of like, eh, I'm not I'm not helping y'all out with shit. Yeah. This family sucks. <laughs> exactly. So poor Maria Josefa was alone in a lot of ways when Ferdinand, lacking any finesse whatsoever, entered her bedchamber completely naked. Huh. Now, we know what monstrous dick <laughs> this poor girl was confronted with. So maybe it does not surprise you to learn that she ran screaming from her room in terror. Oh, my God. But you could just see like one of the poor palace guards like just hanging out in a dark hallway at night. You know, and all of a sudden the queen comes bursting her through chamber, the door, robe flying and just like, <laughs> running down the hall. Oh, OK. Of course, that really pissed off Ferdinand. He did not like that, even though it really feels like it cannot be the first time that that's happening. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> So anyway, he wasn't happy about this. Everybody's like, we got to fix this. So Maria Francisca, the sister-in-law, was like, fine. And she sat Maria Josepha down. And she's like, girl, it is not a sin to fuck your husband, okay? In fact, that's kind of why you're here, all right? So why don't you just lie back and think of Spain or whatever <laughs> they were telling these poor queens back in the day? Well, Maria Josepha was like, okay. All right, give me another shot. I got this. Put me in, coach. I got this. She went back to her bedchamber where Ferdinand was, you know, presumably still just sitting there, pants off, this weird dick there waiting for her. And they tried again. But this time she was still so terrified that when he approached her with this dick swinging around, she freaked out so hard that she pissed and shit herself in Fear. Oh my god, it's like not funny, but it is. It's not. It's you're a terrible person. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It is because I'm like I really have a lot of sympathy. She's only six. Oh my god, it's horrible. Right? No one's told her a word, and yeah. now she has the weirdest penis you could conceive of in front of her. I know. And she's like, what "The fuck am I supposed to do with this?" It... <laughs> but it is funny to <laughs> think of this amorous <laughs> king trying to get it on, and she's. <laughs> It's Looney Tunes logic for sure. <laughs> well, obviously, this kind of killed the mood. Yeah, Ferdinand still really angry, and he just stormed out of the room. And after that, she refused to have sex with him for a long time. She said, quote, what the king wants from me is a mortal sin. <laughs> Poor girl. It took the Pope himself, Pope Pius VII, to get her to agree. He wrote her a personal letter promising her that it was not against the Christian religion to have sex with your husband. In fact, it was her duty to provide an heir and secure the succession. So back she went to the bedroom of Ferdinand, and they did finally consummate the marriage. Although, according to author Jose Antonio Vidal Salas, she, quote, always trembled with anguish and fear when she went into his room to have sex. That's so sad. Yeah. She also apparently made it a requirement that they pray the rosary first each and every time that they did it. And Vidal Salas wrote, quote, in 10 years of marriage like this, Ferdinand would have prayed more than he had in his entire damn life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this poor girl. I mean, I, I don't know if she was like trembling with anguish and fear just because she clearly was not interested in sex. It sounded terrifying to her. Mm -hmm. Or if it was like bad, like if he was That's, doing bad things or if it was uncomfortable like that, you mentioned or if painful just to yeah. just even if he was as tender as you would wish you right. know it just might be one of those things it's just you're not compatible in yeah. that way yeah um i love the pope was like <laughs> girl <laughs> how many he's like i can't wait to be pope and dedicate myself to the bible and god <laughs> and actually i spend most of my time convincing royals to have sex with each other <laughs> Well, even despite all of this very bad beginning with their wedding night and how much she made him pray before they had sex and everything else, Ferdinand really seems to have loved her. Uh, in his 1824 memoirs, uh, he wrote that she was, quote, distinguished no less by the gracefulness of her person than by the elevation of her mind and appears determined not to take any part in public affairs. <laughs> wow. Which I guess he appreciated. Yeah. And yeah, in fact, she mostly withdrew from public life altogether. Uh, when she died as the result of a fever in May 1829, Ferdinand was heartbroken. Mm. But Maria Josepha, even though she swallowed her fears and took the king to bed with her, 
never did get pregnant in all those 10 oh. years they were together. So Ferdinand had to find another bride and fast because he's now 45. He's only getting older. And that brings us to Maria number four. And we will tell you all about her right after these words. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome back, everybody. So Ferdinand is thrice widowed now and still has no heirs. He's getting old. And he was also kind of ill at this point in his life. So there was a serious succession crisis well on its way between Ferdinand's brother, Carlos, and his wife, Maria Francisca, who started squaring off with Ferdinand's other brother, Francisco de Paula, and his wife, Luisa Carlotta, about which one of the two of them would eventually take the throne. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be Stannis? Or is it going to be uh, <laughs> Renly? Renly. <laughs> Which, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. Which brothers coming up to power next? Mm -hmm. Well, Ferdinand assembled the Council of Castile, which tasked him with remarrying and having a baby this time. Damn it. It's <laughs> like I'm putting a whole council together just to get me laid so I can hopefully have a son. Seriously, like the Pope and everyone else is involved uh -huh. <laughs> in this guy getting some. Because he's got no babies at this point. Mm -hmm. Zero. Not. I mean, obviously, they want a son. But he hadn't even had any surviving daughters at this That's point. That's right, yeah. Well, Luisa Carlotta, remember, who's the wife of Ferdinand's brother, Francisco de Paula, she suggested Ferdinand's own niece, who was also her sister, Maria Cristina of the Two Sicilies. That's right. It's such a tangled web of relations. <laughs> I'm like, can I? Have we met before? Oh, yes. I'm your brother's wife and your sister, and I'm also your niece and your aunt. Like Let's I get said, married. Full shrub. <laughs> Family shrub. I just can't keep up. All right. It's it's chaos. I mean, Luisa Carlotta herself was married to her uncle. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Ferdinand's all, she's like, brother. So Ferdinand is her great uncle. No, just it's her other also uncle. her uncle. Yeah. Oh, my God. She's married to one uncle. She's trying to help the other one out by marrying him off to her sister, his niece. <laughs> just assume they're like whatever relation you think is between two people. It probably is. <laughs> this niece who was suggested to him, Maria Christina, is described by Irish author Marguerite Gardner, the Countess of Blessington, who met her on her grand tour as being lively and cheerful with flawless facial features, beautiful teeth, expressive eyes and a charming smile. Ferdinand was like, all right, good. That works. Never. Let's do this. Sign me up. Let's make a baby. Mm -hmm. And only a few months after Maria Josefa died, he married Maria Cristina in December of 1829. Apparently, the Spanish liberals like identified with her immediately. They loved her. She was their 
uh, Lady Gaga. They're like, yes, we stand. <laughs> Mother. Maria, Christina. <laughs> uh, she arrived in Spain in a blue cloak, and the liberals immediately made that their official color. Uh, she might be the one who created the sex donut pillow to enable her to have sex with him and conceive children. That's right. They're both great stories. In one, Ferdinand consults with his physicians because he's like, look at this. What do I do? Uh-huh. And they're like, let's figure this out. In another one, Maria Christina is informed of her approaching nuptials with her uncle, and she's heard all about his weird dick, and she decides to undertake a project <laughs> to make her life a little simpler. <laughs> uh, either way, I love it. <laughs> Now, let's not forget that Ferdinand VII was a bit of a dog. Mm. Um, We talked a little earlier about how he preferred prostitutes over his wife's company and took a year to consummate his first marriage. Right. But even his love for Maria Josepha apparently didn't stop him from continuing his outings to brothels and even bringing prostitutes back to the palace, which just really humiliated his wives. Um, the website SevillaForReal.com, or probably SevillaForReal, ah. uh, even claims that he, quote, bragged about the virgins he brought to the palace and collected rags that testified to his deflowering. Gross. Which is just gross. Like, even if it's not a bloody rag, a sex trophy is just a fucking gross I mean, thing. any rag around sex is a gross <laughs> rag, I must say. <laughs> any sex rag, gross. Yeah, I don't care what's on it. It's not, I don't want it. I'm going to keep it away from me. Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> a good point. <laughs> An excellent point. Oh, So anyway, this time he's married to Maria Christina. And I don't know, maybe he had his past terrible wedding nights in mind. Um, because this one he decided to ruin all by himself. Uh-oh. There's not a lot of detail about this or anything. But Vidal Salas wrote that the wedding night was, quote, unfortunate. Because of Ferdinand VII's impatience to satisfy his sensual hunger. Damn. And he likens Maria Christina's experience that night to rape. Mm. He He's like, she was raped. Like, he just straight up says it, um, that it was kind of violent and aggressive. And Maria Christina, like, never forgot how shitty he was to her that night. As mm. much as their relations improved, she was like, fuck this guy. Now, fortunately, she did not have to deal with him for too long. Yeah. Because in 1830, she had their first child, Isabella II. And in 1832, she gave birth to their second daughter, Maria Luisa Fernanda. At the time, Spain was under Salic law, which was instituted by the French king of Spain, Philip V. And that meant only males could inherit. This was probably a way to keep Spain under French control with only French heirs. Now, it must be noted that Carlos, remember him, Ferdinand's brother, who was fighting for, you know, his own succession to the throne, he felt that the right to rule was God-given. And so he had refused to give up his rights to Napoleon, like his father and brother had. But now that his brother was on the throne, there's no way he would have actually taken up arms against him. Because he's like, look, brother, God picked you. Mm -hmm. I'm not here to mess with that. Yeah, he didn't have a lot of personal desire for the throne or anything like that. He was just like, it's ordained from above. So if it falls to me, I have to, you know. Right. But Ferdinand decided to ratify his father's pragmatic sanction decree in 1830. And this decree was something his father put into place, but was never actually made into law. And this would allow his daughter to ascend to the throne. Mm -hmm. Honestly, Ferdinand just wanted an heir of his own siring to become the monarch, no matter what gender they were. He was was like, I don't care, boys, girls, anybody can be a regent. I'm an equal opportunity monarch. I don't know. I feel he was just like, it has to be my boy. I know, it has to be. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, this changed everything for Carlos and his supporters. They were called Carlists. And they felt that this pragmatic sanction was impractical and illegal. Mm-hmm. They kept pushing for Carlos's claims to the throne, even though Carlos himself didn't really have an interest in ruling. But his wife, Maria Francisca, and her sister, Maria Teresa, definitely did want him on the throne. So they were the ones who kept egging on the Carlists. That's right. And Maria Francisca actually would pass away in 1834 and Carlos would marry her sister, Maria Teresa, which is why she cared so much. (laughs) She wanted to be queen, I guess. Uh, And I assume they were cousins or nieces and nephews, too. (laughs) Well, that's her sister. And oh, yeah. So he that's her niece. That's his niece. Yeah, because he was already married to his niece and then she died and he married her sister. Yeah. So that's his his niece niece as well. Yeah. 
don't be a niece in Spain, I guess. <laughs> don't be a niece. Then in 1832, Ferdinand was badly injured in a carriage accident. Everyone thought he was going to die pretty soon. So all of a sudden, this succession crisis became a r- very real. Mm. So Queen Maria Christina, Ferdinand's wife, found herself besieged on all sides, like even from her own priest and confessor. To convince the king to repeal the pragmatic sanction, they warned her that the country would be plunged into civil war if she didn't do this. Wow. So so again, just like House of the Dragon. Yes. They're like, don't let your I know that we've already set it up for your daughter to inherit, but mm-hmm. everyone's going to hate that. So please just convince your dying husband to repeal that law so that George, George R.R. I... R. Martin. Fully in the Spanish Literally just history books. swiped this whole story. <laughs> so, you know, Maria Cristina, not really a governmental person. She yeah. didn't really care about that type of shit. So she's hearing this and she's like, all right, I guess I, you know, y'all would know, not me. So she decided to seek the counsel of one of the king's advisors, a guy named Francisco Calamarde. Okay. But turns out Calamarde is not the guy to ask. Because oh. let me tell you about him. He was a born liar and flip flopper. Uh oh. He had gotten his position in the Ministry of Law by promising to marry the court physician's ugly niece. Once he got the job, he backtracked on that promise and was forced to go through with it after he was threatened with the galleys. Oh, man. So then he helped lead the mutiny that um, caused Ferdinand's father to abdicate in favor of Ferdinand back okay. in 1808. But then he got banished to Toledo, Spain, not Ohio. <laughs> um, <laughs> After he faked the sale of an American diocese. What? So I don't know for sure if he faked that they bought it or they faked that they sold it. But either way, he was trying to skim some money somehow. And he got banished to Toledo for being a shady bitch. Then in 1820, he joined the liberals. With their support, he became the Secretary of Justice in 1824 and then spent eight years running the secret police and ruthlessly prosecuting the liberals. What? Total little finger. Very, He's only yeah. on his own side. Fair weather friend. Exactly. For sure. You cannot. Yeah. He is full of garbage. Calamarde. <laughs> more like Calamierde. <laughs> so the point is, this guy cannot be trusted. And at this point, he actually wanted to see Carlos on the throne. So he was a Carlist. Mm-hmm. So when Maria Cristina asked him for advice, I, I guess not knowing he was a Carlist. No. He told her. Oh, the Spanish people, they will rally around Carlos and that he is the best bet of staving off the civil war. So Queen Maria Cristina went to her husband Ferdinand's sickbed and asked him to repeal the sanction and issue a decree making her the regent with his brother Carlos as her chief advisor. But Carlos is actually the one who refused this proposal. He felt that it was his divine right to rule. Mm -hmm. And that was it. I don't want this. I don't want this uh, advisor job. Yeah. And it seems like, too, he was just like, no one gives me the right to rule. I already have. it. Yes. You know, so he just was very stuck on that. Yeah. Kind of dogmatic. Well, Calamarde comes back in again and he tells her, you know, no, that's dire consequences if you can't convince the king to reinstate Salic law. Mm -hmm. And you got to convince him not to let your own daughter be the heir so that we don't go into a civil war. But then. It seemed that King Ferdinand had died. And so immediately, Calamarde steps up publicly and says, well, actually, the pragmatic sanction was repealed, so Isabella cannot inherit the throne. And then Calamarde was the first one to greet Carlos as the new king of Spain. Maria Cristina was completely deserted by all of her courtiers. Man, they just went for it. Yeah. But oops, Calamardi fucked up because Ferdinand wasn't dead yet. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he like popped up <laughs> like a daisy. <laughs> this is literally spoiler alerts for the entire first season of House of the Dragon. <laughs> I swear to God, beat for beat. Kind of, yeah. You're, you're so right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that the word about that kind of went around and people were like, OK, I guess Carlos is not king and we don't know what's going on yet. And the Council of Castile, who did not want Carlos in charge, they were liberals. They wanted a constitutional monarchy instead of an absolute monarchy. Carlos would have done an absolute monarchy because of his dogmatic conviction that God gives you the right to rule and do whatever you want with everybody. So they're like, we don't want this guy. They decide, you know what? We need a stronger hand at the wheel than than old Maria Cristina. You know, she's sweet. 
but she's kind of letting herself get all walked over. Meanwhile, her sister, Louisa Carlotta, was very famous for her determination and her very strong personality. So the Council of Castile sent for Louisa Carlotta. They were like, come help us out with this. And when Louisa Carlotta heard about all these shenanigans, she rode nonstop from Andalusia to the palace, marched right up to Maria Cristina and scolded her for having a lack of spine. (laughs) She's like, how could you let them push you around? Uh Uh-huh. And then she said, let me talk to this motherfucker Calamarde right quick. And legend has it that she actually grabbed the document prohibiting women from inheriting the throne and tried to throw it into the fire. (laughs) And when Calamarde tried to grab it back, she slapped him in the face and he allegedly responded, quote, Madam, white hands don't offend. Wow. Which, any guesses? (laughs) I'm assuming it's like, you know, pure... Oh, you know like what? Ladies' hands. I or think rich it's hands? ladies' hands. I think it's like a, you know, uh, what is that? Uh, the the fair foe uh, is like when you have a a woman uh, who's sure. your foe, right? So so think, yeah, yeah, it's like you're you're, she's feminine. Yes. Okay, so he's like you hit like a girl and it don't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> is that what he's trying or to he's say? He's like you know, you could slap me all you want, but you're just a woman. It means nothing. Yeah, all right. Well, anyway, this whole incident and the slap and everything is definitely considered an urban legend rather than fact. You know, if this happened, only the two of them could tell us (laughs) that it went down. But whether she ever laid hands on him or not, Louisa Carlotta handled business. She got the pragmatic sanction reinstated and got Calamarde banished to his estates in Aragon, where he was supposed to be arrested, but that sneaky bitch escaped to Toulouse, and then he died there in 1842 oh, at the age of 69. Ah, oh, not nice. No, I kind of wish he'd gotten, you know, bayoneted and left for dead on the side <laughs> of the road somewhere. But he's like a cockroach, you know, he lived. Yeah. <laughs> he made it through. Well, Ferdinand recovered enough to ensure that his daughter, Isabella II, inherited the throne. And he also gave his wife, Maria Cristina, full regency powers. Luisa Carlotta stayed around to kind of help out. She was more active in the government than Maria Cristina was. She met with more officials than she did. She was just doing a lot more work. Mm -hmm. Again, she was the go-getter. Yeah. And then Ferdinand VII died on September 29th of 1833. For real this time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Then the three-year-old Isabella II was named queen. And her mother, Maria Cristina, was named regent, obviously, because, you know, the queen was three years old. Exactly. But then, only a couple days later, on October 1st, Carlos, Ferdinand's brother, declared himself king. He was like, I'm not listening to all these ladies. Mm -hmm. It's me. I'm king. We already decided this. Divine right. Fact is fact. Ladies get no divine rights. (laughs) So you've got all the Carlists on one side, Mm -hmm. but then you've got Isabella II and Maria Cristina's supporters, who were called Isabelinos, and they all confronted each other, and the first Carlist War began. And it's considered by some to be the largest and most deadly civil war of the time. And this decided whether or not Spain would be a traditional monarchy like the Carlists wanted, or a constitutional monarchy like the liberals wanted. So the Carlist Wars are raging, you know, throughout Isabella II's childhood. Meanwhile, Maria Cristina had fallen in love. While she was still married to Ferdinand, she had met a sergeant in the royal guard named Augustin Fernando Munoz. And he was two years younger than her. He was handsome, well-bred, kind. Uh, He apparently attracted her attention by either stopping her runaway horses or merely picking up her handkerchief. Oh, either way, a delightful meet-cute. Yes, exactly. Uh Like, write it into a podcast like ours. Well, whatever it was that he did for her, or however they met, they fell in love. And only three months after Ferdinand died, she and Augustine got married in a secret ceremony. It was important to keep this a secret because if she got married, she couldn't be regent anymore. Oh, okay. Um, And she knew that, you know, nobody at court would like it. You know, she's like, this isn't going to be a popular move yeah. of mine um, because it's a morganic or very unequal marriage between a royal and a not royal yeah. person. So a lot of people at court knew that they were having an affair and they were like, fine, whatever, get your rocks <laughs> off, girl. You know what I mean? But they didn't know about the marriage, that it was a legal marriage. Mm. Well, eventually the news got out and the scandal was intense. Sure. 
Maria Cristina instantly became deeply unpopular everywhere. Uh, Ministers and military leaders alike were like begging her to step aside. And in 1840, she did. She renounced her regency and she and Augustine basically were exiled to France. Uh, They stopped on their way in Naples to get a papal dispensation for their marriage. And then in her place as regent, uh, they put the most popular Isabellino, which was General Baldomero Espartero. Okay. So he was so very loyal to Isabel, and it was a good choice. He's the regent now. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's okay. A, and now okay. he's in charge. Hey, I don't think we stopped in Naples to get a papal dispensation for our marriage, so I feel like we should go back to we Naples. We should probably go back to Naples. Yeah. So right. Be right there, Naples. Has the Pope even cared about our marriage <laughs> once? <laughs> well, when Isabella II officially assumed the throne at the ripe old age of 13 in 1844, she granted her mother permission to have a public marriage ceremony and she made her stepdad the Duke of Riansares. Maria Cristina and Augustin had seven children together between 1834 and 1843. Uh, Augustin became highly decorated in both Spain and France, and he had a lot of savvy business investments, and that let them live pretty comfortably for the rest of their lives. Pretty Isabella. cool dude, honestly. It's a good second husband. Yeah, yeah. She she did out. Maria, she made out okay mm-hmm, in the end. She's like, let me get this handsome sergeant who uh-huh. knows how to handle himself. <laughs> <laughs> Also, they had seven kids. This suggests to me it was Ferdinand was definitely the problem and not Hello. the ladies. Because isn't that so often the case? And then we've—I feel like science recently determined that men have more to do with the gender of gender the child. Of the child right? So it's typically, you know, it wasn't like Henry the Eighth. I know. know how many times you have to try before you realize it's you, I buddy. Guess what <laughs> me? Hi. I'm the problem, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) Only the Swifties have been around for King Henry. King Henry and Taylor Swift, the two problems. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even though her mom turned out okay in her marriage, Isabella was not so lucky. When she was 16, her ministers prevailed on her to marry her double first cousin. (laughs) They were like, you know what? We're sick of people marrying their cousins. And everyone's like, oh, thank God. They're like, now you've got to marry your double first cousin. What? What does that even mean? He's your cousin uh. through two different lineages? <laughs> yeah. Because it lot. was... Uh... It was Luisa Carlotta's <laughs> <Yeah>. son, Francisco <laughs> de Aziz, the Duke of Cadiz. <laughs> Isabella was apparently disgusted by him. She told one of her friends, quote, What shall I tell you about a man whom I saw wearing more lace than I was on our wedding night? Damn, girl. So the rumor is that Francisco was either gay or impotent. Mm -hmm. So maybe Isabella II was a little homophobic. Right. Yeah. A blog called Euro History Journal describes Isabella as a man eater with a voracious sexual appetite who would have preferred Francisco's younger brother, this manly swashbuckler, uh, to the effeminate Francisco that she ended up having to marry. Like, can I at least pick the double first cousin that I'm going to marry? But they said no. (laughs) You get this one. Isabella was pregnant 12 times during their marriage, although only five lived to grow up. Each one of them probably actually had a different father because she had a ton of lovers throughout her reign. But Francisco recognized them all as his children. But he also blackmailed Isabella throughout her life to pay him for his silence. (laughs) So just a a bunch of terrible people here. (laughs) Just insane. It probably felt pretty chill even to her because he'd just come in and be like, hey, I bought a horse or something. And she's like, damn it. We don't have the money for that shit. And he's like, oh, did you want me to tell people like that your heir is like got nothing to do with me? Mm -hmm. Or do you want to buy the horse? (laughs) And she's like, I'm going to buy the fucking horse. I'm sorry, but this is exactly what happened in House of the Dragon. (laughs) I know. I know. Except that she was really understanding of his. A little bit, but then he got a little, he took advantage of it. No, he did. It's true. I just mean that unlike Queen Isabella, she wasn't like, this guy wears too much lace. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. She was like, I actually would like to have Well, it's a show that came out in 2022, so she had to be a little more understanding. Oh, it's so true. Yeah, she had to be more more chill about that (laughs) or else you wouldn't like her. Yeah. Well, Isabella became somewhat unpopular over the years of her reign with her very public affairs. Mm. Uh, People found her court to be corrupted and she's constantly had these dudes around and stuff uh she even survived an assassination attempt when a guy tried to stab her and he couldn't get through the elaborate embroidery and boning on her corset oh my god <laughs> he's like wait hang on hold still i'm just gonna try and go under the side here 
<laughs> Maybe I'll go. She's just, like, no, no, you've got to go up through the stitching. So sorry, the, you can't. Between you the can't. boning. It takes like three maids <laughs> to get me in this. There's no chance. <laughs> right. I picture it like just sticking out like a fork in yeah. a steak or yeah. something. And she's like, what were you trying to do? <laughs> now, eventually, the glorious revolution in 1868 deposed Isabella after 35 years on the throne. So quite, she, it was her being unpopular and like a lot of other things. You know how revolutions go. Got a lot of reasons for them. So she and Francisco, her husband, had to hot-foot it to France, where they ended up living with her mother, Maria Cristina, and her stepdad until they got their own place in Paris on the Rue de Rivoli. She also renounced her rights to the throne in favor of her son, Alfonso. Okay. Uh, Isabella and Francisco separated amicably in 1870 and became friends. So maybe like Lucy and Desi, they just shouldn't have been married. Yeah. <laughs> they could have done great <laughs> if they weren't married. Um, Augustine died in 1873, Maria Cristina in 1878, and Isabella in 1904. And her great-great-great-grandson, Philippe VI, is the current monarch of Spain. Wow, so that family really just kept failing up. They kept failing up, and Ferdinand got <laughs> I mean, what he wanted. His bloodline is still uh, it, Exactly, and that's, I don't know anything about Philippe VI. He might be great, but just in Neither terms of just like... <laughs> They were the worst, but they <laughs> kept being the rulers. Right. Well, and then you look at other, like, you look at it and you're like, they're all the worst. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, whoever wanted to take over also sucks. Because if you want to be a king or a queen, you know, you're probably a bad person. <laughs> Generally I mean, speaking. are you willing to be a very bad I villain mean, to someone at some yeah, point in your life? Yeah, you got to do bad things yeah, to rule. Very true. All right. Jeez. Very true. So that's the story of Ferdinand's weird dick and how it changed Spanish history. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, the the this dick's twists and turns and weird names, uh, <laughs> you know, were, were easy enough to follow. I swear, areas. next time we do a Spanish royal story, we're renaming everyone. It's going to be like, this is Desmond, and that's Bob, <laughs> and that's Joanna, and that's Phyllis, uh -huh. just so we can... That's separate right. them a little bit. Sandy B. Right. <laughs> yeah. It'll be like, that's ginger, and mm -hmm. that's scary, and that's uh, spicy. Spicy spice? Spicy spice. They tried a yeah. little harder than that. Jeez. <laughs> oh, I knew spice was involved, but I couldn't remember. <laughs> spicy it's the last part. Spice. It's the second word. Spicy spice. Uh. <laughs> Who was spicy spice? No one. No, there, there must have been one. It's like there the fifth beetle, you know. Spice. There was a sep a seventh, a sixth. There whatever. were five spice girls. So there was a sixth secret spice girl named Spicy Spice. I'm telling <laughs> you, she was back okay, there. Okay, in your dreams. <laughs> she <laughs> well, was back there. In my dreams. She was back there. The spice girls, you know, there was a time when the spice <laughs> girls were frequenters of my dreams. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so sure. Which was your favorite spice girl? Honestly, my favorite spice you know who my guess who my favorite spice girl was. Posh? <laughs> Yeah, obviously. I knew Posh. it. Yeah, of course you did, because you know me. And you know, at the end of the day, I just want a rich, tall, model-looking, cold, icy person. Right, to be kind of mean to you. To be kind of mean to me, that's yeah. That's right. That's the dream. Well, I'm the sorry, The exact babe. opposite of you. I cannot I'm be sorry. any of those things from you. I am not tall. You're a short sweetheart. It's, it's, I'm going to say that uh, as a net, you know, when you look at the full whole of everything, it's probably better that I didn't marry Posh Spice. <laughs> okay, I, I agree with that. Yeah. I think I agree with that. Statement. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's 95% likely that I made a better choice. <laughs> uh, well, you didn't ask, but Scary was my favorite. I was going to ask. <laughs> I just wanted to make sure we were done with my thing first. Scary, of course, Scary was your favorite. I would have guessed that too if you'd asked. She's the coolest. Yeah, yeah, she's super cool. She was a little scary. I could see it. An intimidating woman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how this ended with Spice Girls. I don't either. We were all on Game of Thrones and now suddenly we're talking about Spice Girls. Look, but whatever. This is the kind of exciting <laughs> bouncing around hey, of topics you come to expect hey, from Ridiculous Romance. Nobody expects the Spice Girls Inquisition. <laughs> Yay! You could bookmark. You could bookend it. I brought it back. A little callback. I brought us back. If you're still with us, uh, <laughs> we'd love to hear from you uh, about your your take on this whole story, this chaos, uh, this amazing, weird uh, Martinian, I'm coining that phrase, uh, kind of royal story Beautiful. of weird dicks and backstabbings and mm -hmm. 
scheming. A little bit of everything. A little bit Again, of everything. Again, it was just like every story of every wife. I was like, gee, there's just so much drama. Right. <laughs> Because so fun. I, I hope it. y'all enjoyed it as much as we did yeah. um, to research and record this episode yeah. <laughs> about this guy and his crazy life. So please do reach out to us. We love hearing from you, as always. Our email address is ridicromance at gmail.com. That's right. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at, oh, great, it's Eli. And I'm at Dynamite Boom. And the show is at ridicromance. That's right. And don't forget to find us on TikTok at oh, Ridiculous yeah, Romance as well, right. where you can see cool videos like this of us moving around in person. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. (laughs) We'll catch y'all at the next one. Thanks for spending time with us. We love you. Bye. So long, friends. It's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Bring it Every rival. Every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL Schedule Release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.